Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. Today, we are going to be breaking down some of the do not draft. Some of these guys that you don't want on your rosters when you're drafting. If you're in this position, take another running back at that position or just go for a totally different position. Wait on the running back. Hopefully, you're getting your running backs early if you've been tuning into a lot of my content. But we're going to be breaking down a couple of honorable mentions, but mainly deep diving on three to four running backs that you should not be drafting in your drafts. Again, choose something else, anything else in that range. Welcome if you're brand new here. My name is Sal. I cover fantasy sports in a variety of different areas. And right now we're buckling down in this video, getting ready, attacking the fantasy football 2020 season. We have loads of stuff, upwards of 70 to 80 videos already in a playlist for the 2020 fantasy football, all free on YouTube right here. And there's going to be even more as we approach the midway point of September when the games actually kick off, preparing you for your draft, drafts, winning you money, beating your league mates, all that type of stuff right here on this channel. So I'm excited to get into this video today. Last week, we did a must draft running back videos. We're doing videos every single day on this channel. So be sure to check out some other ones while you are here. But first, right now in this one, I appreciate it. If you could hit that like button, totally free. So it's right above the video that you're watching this. If you're watching in your phone, it's right below it. So be sure to check that out. Hit that like button. It really does help. And the big old subscribe button that just popped up on the screen. If you're watching on the YouTube version, hit that subscribe button either on the podcast or really YouTube bottom right-hand corner at any point that is free to do so. And it really does help my work. And it really does help me reach more people during the season when people start to search this stuff a lot more. It could really help this channel exponentially grow. Totally free to do so. So thank you so much. There's going to be banners popping up at different times for some other free things that are down below in the description. Then also the big one is that the Supreme Draft Guide has been out and it's getting a lot of positive feedback. The Supreme Draft Guide where there's loads of my rankings, my tiers, all of these things and 150 plus player profiles on every single rookie on all these other things. And we'll take a peek at some of them during this video. Stat sheets, data sheets, reliability charts, all this stuff is in there for just $10 thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. You can find information about it linked in the description if you were eligible for the Monkey Knife Fight offer. And if you're not, if you're not eligible in the state that Monkey Knife Fight offers their gaming, their sports gaming, their sports props, then you can just get it on the site for the regular price. You can check all that stuff out down below. The Supreme Draft Guide is out. People are saying they love it. I put so much work into it. And don't worry, there's going to be continue to have content added to that throughout the entire summer. And the look of it's going to enhance. Right now, we're just launching over the past couple of weeks, but everything's in there ready to go. We're just going to make it even better as the summer goes on for you. So be sure to get in there right now while the offers still last. So let's start this thing up with the first do not draft running back as I record this. And always keep in mind to check the timestamps on all these videos. I'm recording this towards the middle to end of June. Maybe we'll do an update as we get more news. Potentially, if they don't cancel half of the preseason like they're discussing doing, we can kind of take some things from there. Obviously, if there's injuries to any of the players in these backfields or the players themselves, well, then there's going to be a lot of things changing, right? So the do not draft list is based on where I currently am looking at average draft positions right now in the middle to end of June. So Devin Singletary, is my first do not draft running back. And I just don't want Devin Singletary this year. Early on before the NFL draft, it looked like a potentially nice spot to be getting Devin Singletary because, well, there's nothing in this backfield. Frank Gore, the old man himself, finally got shipped out and stopped being used towards the end of last year because Singletary was just too highly efficient and productive to not keep him on the field. And then all they had in this backfield once he left and was a free agent and, and recently, very recently signed with the Jets was TJ Yeldon, who was a good pass catcher, but for the most part, not that efficient of a running back in between the tackles, which Singletary really showed a lot of upside last year. But for right now after the NFL draft and drafting Zach Moss, it's not a situation where I feel comfortable going to Devin Singletary. And we'll get all into Zach Moss, the new rookie running back uh, behind Devin Singletary in this Buffalo Bills backfield. But last year, Singletary played 12 games. He did deal with an injury, which forced him to miss about three and a half to four games. He played on 69.3% of the snaps. You can see all these stats that I'm currently pulling up that I, I was able to source and put on the screen right now for you. 151 carries for over 770 yards, four touchdowns on the ground, four total touchdowns. He caught 29 of 42 targets for 194 yards. Keep in mind, this is all in 12 games. So in 12 games, he was able to kind of rack up a season of about 970 total yards. You factor in that if he just plays one more game, he's going to have a thousand plus yard season overall combined.
buying yardage. And if he plays a full season, he's probably flirting with somewhere around a 1,200 to 1,300 total yardage season, which is very good, obviously, for a rookie. Now, Buffalo did run the sixth most times per game. And whenever you have a mobile quarterback, you're naturally going to be ranked higher. If your quarterback like Josh Allen, who's top five in rushing attempts per game last year, is going to run the ball six to closer to eight times per game. Yeah, you're obviously going to run more than a quarterback in a Phillip Rivers who's going to run the ball zero times or Tom Brady, right? So naturally, the rushing offense improved, but that's what they want to do anyways. Now we'll see this year with Stefan Diggs and now having a lot of weapons on that offense. Dawson Knox, a rookie tight end coming into his second year, another year with the team for guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley. If they start to throw the ball, open it up a little bit more, I would not be shocked, but they do want to focus on the run. Makes sense, especially where they play in Buffalo in the winter months to kind of prioritize that piece of the offense. But Devin Singletary was one of the most efficient running backs we've ever seen out of a rookie season and one of the most efficient last year. He was fifth in true yards per carry amongst all running backs with 4.9 true yards per carry. He was third in breakaway percentage that is runs of 15 or more yards. He was top 20 in yards created per touch. He forced 36 broken tackles on just 151 total carries. And all this amounted out to about 12.3 fantasy points per game, which that number alone was 28th overall. And you factor in running backs that had like one or two or three games and had a higher fantasy point per game total. He was pretty much pushing a top 25 fantasy point per game back in terms of consistency of playing somewhere around like eight or more games. So very efficient running back. And if anything, he was just ultra and too highly efficient. I mean, this is a guy who ended up breaking off his breakaway percentage. Like I said, he was third in that department, but he had runs of 15 or more yards in the top 10 rate, even though he had 90 less carries than everybody else in the top 10, not named Saquon Barkley. So like 80% of the top 10 in that department of explosive runs of 15 or more yards, right? A breakaway percentage. He's in that department and he's still seeing so much less carries, which just means that he's a talented running back, but it also means that that's likely to regress. You're just not that much better than everybody else in the league, especially all the top end guys. And one of the biggest concerns last year that we saw from Singletary throughout the entire season was the red zone concerns. So you can see me putting up these red zone concerns right now on the screen, just four attempts inside the five yard line and 18 overall red zone attempts. We don't care about the red zone attempts, in my opinion, that are like on the 19 yard line, the 17 yard line, even like the 14 yard line, right? How often do you see running back scoring from that far out? Even if you do, it's not a high percentage. I care more about the red zone attempts inside the five yard line, those goal line carries, and even inside the 10 yard line, where you were seeing Devin Singletary only see about six total carries last year. You saw Frank Gore seeing 36.8% of the red zone carries last year. And then you saw Josh Allen, the quarterback, see 30.9 in those coveted carries inside the five yard line. Josh Allen is due to regress off of this, but five of five, 100% touchdown success rate when Josh Allen ran inside the five yard line. So it's it's one thing to say, yeah, he's going to regress. He's not going to score a touchdown every time he runs inside the five yard line. He's pretty much an enhanced fullback himself running behind a fullback and a tight end and a running back. Josh Allen is going to have a high success rate on those run attempts inside the five yard line if they're designed plays and not just scrambles. And now there's talk of the rookie Zach Moss, who will do a detailed breakdown and look at his profile on the site, Fantasy Sports Focus, that is the house of the of the Supreme Draft Guide and a lot of more of my content to come. But you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, well, Zach Moss, now they're already talking up the quotes coming out literally the night of the draft in the postgame presser. And since then, that Zach Moss was drafted to be this Frank Gore role. Devin Singletary's role last year is what they wanted to be, if not a little bit less than what he had last year, which ended up being in just 12 games, 151 carries on the ground, which ended up being 180 total touches in those 12 games when you factor in the receiving game. They want Zach Moss to be Frank Gore. Well, Zach Moss is better than Frank Gore. Okay, Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. People are going to say that. No, no. Right now in their careers, 38-year-old Frank Gore is not better than the rookie coming out of college and Zach Moss, who's an explosive broken tackles machine. Even if Zach Moss ends up being a bust at this point in his career, just his age and his ability and his burst still left in his tanks at just 22, 23 years of age is better than a guy 16 years older than him with so much tread on his tires in Frank Gore. So this is without question a knock against Devin Singletary. Not only is he going to keep the same role as last year, but potentially, and even if it does enhance a little bit, right, he stays healthy. So he gets four more games. There's going to be production spikes there, but now people are drafting him a little bit higher as if that's not going to be the case. I see Singletary consistently going 
as a top 25 running back. I'm going to personally rank him there because running back falls off a cliff and he's not necessarily in a 50-50 split, although I could easily see it being something closer to that at 55-45, 60-40, and that's not great. I'm just going to skip over his name in the rankings when I'm drafting, and if I'm like, okay, Devin Singletary is the best available, I messed up with my first two to three running back picks, or I'm just going to wait now and get the Kareem Hunts, the Cam Akers, hopefully later in the draft. Buffalo's offensive line last year ranked 17th in run blocking and 18th in pass blocking, so a very average offensive line. I mean, they had Quentin Span on their offensive line. You can see all these stats on the screen right now. He's just a death trap. He was ranked 45.8 by Pro Football Focus, which is awful. Um, he was ranked 271st overall in run blocking. That is not good on your offensive line. Now, guys like John DeFlicio, Mitch Morris, Deion Dawkins, they were in the low 60s. So on average, they propped up their offensive line a little bit better. So it was really being held down a lot by Spain. So it's not as bad of his offensive line as it seems, which it kind of ranked out as average last year. Now, let's see, did they do anything in the offseason to improve this offensive line? And yes, they did via free agency. So in free agency, they do some things, nothing insane outside of obviously signing Stefan Diggs, the big one, which they gave up draft picks for, but they add some interior offensive lineman depth and Daryl Williams and Evan Boham. So hopefully that helps the offensive line a little bit. The Stefan Diggs addition was the big one. Now maybe you'll target more downfield. You have a technician route runner. Josh Allen was the number one accuracy quarterback between 10 and 15 yards, 10 and 20 yards last year. So everybody thinks he's an accurate deep ball and short passing. Sure. But he was very accurate in that 10 to 20 range, which a technician like Stefan Diggs, who's also a deep threat, but one of, if not the best route runners in the league will work a lot in that 10 to 20 range, which I think is going to be a nice mesh together in my opinion. They end up getting rid of some running backs, the notable one that we talked about, Frank Gore. But then in the NFL draft, they replaced that Frank Gore with the backup running back now to be Zach Moss, third round pick Zach Moss. We'll talk about him in a second in depth. They get Gabriel Davis, who honestly was probably a third round pick in a lot of drafts, but since wide receiver was so deep in this specific draft, falls to the fourth round. They get Jake Fromm, who has some issues right now going on in the media, as I recorded this a week or two ago uh, with all the things going on with his text messages, but that was a fifth round pick. And Isaiah Hodges, a sixth round receiver. So if you're looking at what impacts Zach Moss the most or what impacts Devin Singletary the most would be the draft pick of Zach Moss uh, directly, of course. And then also Stefan Diggs might actually help Devin Singletary if indeed he keeps offensive drives live and gets them closer to the red zone. But then the knock against him is if he's just not going to be used in the red zone, it doesn't really matter all that much for Devin Singletary. So the durability in his NFL career, he was a rookie last year. He missed four games with a hamstring strain. So not much in-depth to talk about there. Uh, Players get hamstring injuries. It's just something to monitor. It shouldn't be too much of an issue when you're looking to draft him this year. Now let's finish it up by talking about the backfield competition as we've hinted at a lot so far. And we'll start it off with Zach Moss. And I'm going to go over right now too, um, right now where I have Zach Moss's stuff. So this is going to be like the beta version of what you're going to get when you come over to uh, Fantasy Sports Focus, which is the name of the site right now. It's my site. We just launched it. This is where the Supreme Draft Guide lives. So if you want to get it for $10, it's down below if you're eligible, thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. Also down below will be the link to the site if you want to just check out some of the free things on there. And then also you can obviously check it out so that you have an opportunity to buy it for the normal price on the site if you're in the state where Monkey Knife Fight doesn't allow you to actually use the the coupon that you're going to be getting if you're in a state where it's not allowed yet. So I'll pop up some things on the screen, but we'll also just look at what we see here. So Zach Moss, I mean, he went to Utah for four years. He was taken by the Bills in the third round at pick 22. And there's a lot of things coming out about Zach Moss. The biggest thing that people were hyping up about Zach Moss was just his elusiveness, his ability to break tackles, right? If you look at his 2019 stats, he saw 235 carries, 1400 yards and 17 touchdowns. He caught 28 of 29 targets, a 9% target share. Pretty good. I usually say anything above 8% is nice. Anything above 10% for a running back coming out of college in terms of their target share, the percentage of targets they saw in their offense is a pretty good number. Anything in the double digits. So nine is not bad. 29 targets last year. And he can catch passes. He caught 28 passes or more, including the one last year in the two seasons of his four years at Utah that he actually stayed healthy and played an entire year. He saw 14.5 yards per reception, which is very good. Now his entire career at Utah, he saw 712 carries, 41 touchdowns. He averaged six yards per carry, which is a very good number for running backs coming into the NFL draft. And he caught 66 total balls in those four years. 
years. So you can see down here some of the green and reds, the pros and cons of him. Well, the the, the elusiveness is the big pro. And honestly, if you want to just talk about Zach Moss in depth, he kind of is Devin Singletary. He's not that much different. Now, he's a better goal lineback, probably just because of the size advantage he has over Singletary, about 5'9", 223 pounds of just pure muscle coming out. But the elusiveness is something that Singletary was accustomed to and one of his big positives coming out of college. They can both catch passes is something that you're going to see. He's a bigger body guy, which is going to help him in that red zone role. And pass protection, if anything, he's probably a little bit better than Devin Singletary, if not a decent amount better coming out of the draft, at least we don't know right now it's Singletary having a year of experience, but coming out of the draft, he profiles out to be a good pass catcher, a guy who can pass protect and a good red zone ability back. And obviously can be worked in between the twenties as well. So not a good compliment. If you're talking about something that won't directly impact Singletary's workload. No, this is a guy who has a very similar skill set and will impact him. Now, if you want to look at some of these red things here and what the downsides of him are pretty much the downsides of Zach Moss and what you're going to get is that he's a little bit slower. So it's very similar to Devin Singletary, not a guy who's all that fast, as you can see right here. He dances often. So this is going to be like your Saquon Barkley issues, guys who try and find that hole. Joe Mixon to an extent, although Joe Mixon kind of cured that last year. And then his age, I guess you can say age because he's coming out at about 22 and a half years old by the time the season starts. A lot of running backs, you would like to get them at 21. Jonathan Taylor is going to be 21 years old. So it's not a major issue for fantasy football this specific year, which we're talking about. But if you're just talking about the actual uh, lifespan of him, he might only have like three or four more years of his prime before he starts to turn 26. And then things start to get a little bit interesting for running backs in the NFL. So that's Zach Moss. The only other real depth there is going to be TJ Yeldon, who played in four games last year. He only played 52% of the snaps in those games, mainly when Devin Singletary was injured. He's a pass catcher. In those four games, he caught 13 balls. That's pretty good. You're catching over three balls per game on 16 targets, four targets per game. And he had 17 carries for 63 yards. So this is a guy who's not likely going to be used, especially after you see them take a high draft capital pick, a third round pick on a running back in Zach Moss. Now it's at least important to bring up what Frank Gore is going to leave behind in this offense. Frank Gore is leaving behind 166 carries, 599 yards and two touchdowns on the ground and then 13 receptions for 100 yards on 16 touches. So he's overall leaving behind 179 touches for about 700 yards and two touchdowns and 26 red zone touches. So a lot to be held there and given there to Zach Moss and then maybe even potentially Devin Singletary. Now my biggest issue with Singletary, he has a mobile quarterback who's going to be using the red zone. They just drafted a running back who can catch passes, pass protect on third downs and be used on third downs and also be used in the red zone. So the upside for Devin Singletary for me is what you're looking at last year. But that's if he once again is highly efficient. And it's very rare that you see a guy, especially if he gets more work and gets a bigger sample, being that efficient for so long. So if you're getting exactly what you got out of Singletary last year, plus the four games, if he doesn't get hurt, but then you're not getting the upside out of the red zone and maybe even the upside of the passing game role with a guy like Zach Moss being rotated in there. And now I'm hoping that you can replicate what you did last year in high efficiency. I just don't want to be paying top dollar for that. So although I do think Devin Singletary is a borderline and I have him ranked as a top 25 back right now, I don't want to be having him as my RB2. I really don't even want to be having him as my RB3 unless I have some really strong one to two wide receivers already taken. So Singletary for me personally is a guy who I think is currently being drafted at his ceiling. I think it's appropriately ranked because after that, there's kind of just a different tier of running backs pretty quickly, but he's a guy that I'm just passing on. He's at the bottom of a tier for me when I'm drafting running backs. Again, tiers you can get on the uh, Supreme Draft Kit linked down below. And usually when I'm towards the bottom of the tier, I don't want to be taking the last guy in a tier because I'm not getting as much value there. That's how I view Devin Singletary. I'll wait till the next tier of running back or just draft from a different position. My next do not draft running back is the Green Bay Packers running back, Aaron Jones. And I kind of did a video, a specific video on Aaron Jones that recently uh, came out. So if you want to skip past this part, if you've already seen that video, or if you want to just get a little bit uh, more information on that, you can stick here. You can check out that video as well. But Aaron Jones last year, he finished as the RB2. I mean, just naturally, I don't think anybody thinks Aaron Jones is going to finish as the RB2 yet again. And what you had him last year was 62.6% of the snaps, 236 carries for over a thousand yards and 19 touchdowns. And then he caught 49 balls. So a very nice pass catching role in 16 games, played the whole season, 49 receptions on 69 targets for 400 
174 yards. So what you ended up getting was 17.8 total touches per game, which was both your receptions and your carries on the ground. That ranked 10th in the NFL. He was 11th in red zone carries. And then you ended up seeing him rank eighth behind the offensive line. So you had the eighth best offensive line. So you're getting a guy who was only 10th in opportunities per game and 11th in red zone touchdowns, but he finished first with McCaffrey with 19 touchdowns on a ridiculous 6.7% touchdown rate. Regression is coming. And then he finished his second overall because of that touchdown rate, but he only finished 10th in overall touches per game. So you're not usually going to out exceed your touches by that much. You need touchdowns to happen. And that's what he had. So yes, I think Aaron Jones is not going to be the number two running back. He's not being drafted like that, but he is being drafted as the 10th overall running back. He's currently my RB 16. Yes, he's my RB 16. Sally went from two to 16. Why? Well, let me explain. You could also, if you've watched that video, probably already know, but the biggest factor for me, and you saw all the stats on the screen, he's fourth in evaded tackles last year, third in fantasy points per game with 19.7, sixth in yards created. This is a very good back. He is, in my opinion, like a top six or even a top five talented running back in the NFL. Meaning if you put him in some of the best systems for running backs, right? The Cowboys offense, I think he would outproduce or produce very similar to what Ezekiel Elliott did. I mean, he just did last year in the Packers offense, which is a pretty comparable offense when you're talking about offensive line play and the, the mindset of what these offenses want to do now. Let's just look at what Aaron Jones did without Devontae Adams last year. And you can see right here, four games without Devontae Adams when Devontae Adams was injured for that month, and then 12 games with Devontae Adams. These are his passing game roles. So he ended up catching 49 balls last year. In these four games, he ended up seeing 5.5 receptions per game in those four games alone. So he caught 22 of his 49 passes in just four games. He ended up seeing during that time, all of his touchdowns in just those four games, he ended up seeing three of his touchdowns, the only three receiving touchdowns that he saw. And he averaged 70 receiving yards per game compared to just 16.2 when Devontae Adams was on the field. He saw 6.75 targets per game. So let's call it 6.8, close to seven targets per game without Devontae Adams. He was playing out wide at receiver against the Cowboys. He scored from out wide. He was playing in the slot. He was playing out of the backfield. He was all over the field. They were using him like they should. And then they just stopped for some reason because Adams comes back, but he was only seeing three and a half targets per game. So his targets doubled in the four games without Adams. His receptions more than doubled, almost tripled from 2.3 to 5.5. And his fantasy points per game for PPR went from 16.6, a very solid number to 29.8. So that one month of the season spiked Aaron Jones upside. And he has the ability to, he was absolutely fantastic in the passing game. The offense just doesn't want to use him in that way when Devontae Adams is healthy. And that's proven in the other 12 games last year, when Devontae Adams was healthy, the guy was only catching maybe two passes for six. 16 yards a game. Checkdowns. He wasn't prioritizing the passing game. He was just an afterthought, kind of an, an emergency escape valve for Aaron Rodgers on some plays, which Rodgers was throwing the ball away, was trying to extend plays and not really looking for checkdown options. He either wanted you on that play because you were factored into the play, or if you were an afterthought in the play, you weren't getting it. So that's a major head scratcher because he ends up seeing pretty much half of his passing game production on a 16 game season in just four games when a guy is not on the field. If you were to average out his splits when Devontae Adams was in the games for those four weeks where Devontae Adams uh, was actually out, and you just said Devontae Adams never missed and averaged it out. Aaron Jones would have been from the RB2 to the RB9. So he would have dropped seven spots if Devontae Adams never got hurt if we were to say that the averages he put up in those other 12 games were for the entire season. So I'm not going to project Devontae Adams to miss four more games. So I can't project Aaron Jones to have that good of a passing game role. And you could even see it. It wasn't just Aaron Jones. It was even Jamal Williams. Here's a split from Jamal Williams. In three games, because Jamal Williams missed the game last year when Devontae Adams is also out. In three games, Jamal Williams' fantasy points per game went from 8.3 to 18.4 PPR when the Devontae Adams was out. He went from seeing only 16 receiving yards per game to 24. He ended up seeing just 2.5 receptions per game to 3.7 receptions per game. And he saw a touchdown in each of those games on average. So he scored three touchdowns in those three weeks compared to just one touchdown in the other 11 weeks in the receiving department. So it was both the running backs. They were using the running backs more. I don't know why they went away from that, mainly because Adams came back, but it was kind of a, a dumb decision in my opinion. Now, this is what the Packers did in the offseason. When it comes to the offensive line play, they added Rick Wagner and they lost Brian Blaga. They also lost a depth piece in Jason Spriggs. So I think Belaga is better than Wagner, but you can just call it an eye for an 
an eye split. Nothing else major when it comes to the running game in the free agency period. Lose Jimmy Graham, lose Geronimo Allison. In the draft, they had probably the worst draft. And honestly, the entire draft is built around the running game outside of their backup quarterback pick with the first round pick. Very controversial, Jordan Love. They get AJ Dillon, probably a fifth round talent in the second round. They reach on him. They get a fullback in Josiah DeGora in the third round. Then they get a bunch of offensive linemen, three, a tackle and two interior linemen in the sixth round. So it's built up for the running game, which is going to help Aaron Jones for this specific year. Also, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams entering a contract year. Very important to call that out. But what this is setting up to be is pretty much, okay, Alexander Madison situation. The Vikings are going to take a second round running back so that they have security if Dalvin Cook wants to hold out. Now Dalvin Cook is threatening to hold out. Well, too bad. We have leverage. We have this guy. That's what it seems like the Packers are doing. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, mainly Aaron Jones. You're very good. You're about to hit free agency. We need more leverage. We go get AJ Dillon and we put him with our second round pick. So now we have some sort of leverage and a lot more leverage on you, even though they already have leverage. So AJ Dillon is a big threat. AJ Dillon is likely going to be involved. It doesn't mean he's going to see 20 carries a game or even 10 carries a game. But if AJ Dillon sees five or six touches a game and you still have Jamal Williams factored into the games as well, because he's a good part of this offense, especially in the past blocking department and receiving game. And now maybe AJ Dillon gets four or five touchdowns on the ground. So the already natural regression of cutting maybe even your touchdowns in half from 19 to let's just call it nine touchdowns or 10 touchdowns this year for Aaron Jones from just natural regression alone. And now maybe due to AJ Dillon, you lose another two or three. So you're going from 19 touchdowns to like, let's just call it seven or eight touchdowns this year. And that might even be a good year for Aaron Jones. You're just dropping down my rankings when I'm projecting out players. When I'm statting out players, he's falling behind guys like Todd Gurley, who are going to have a crazy high workload. He's falling behind guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who have a high touchdown upside. Even Leonard Fournette, who last year only scores three touchdowns on 350 touches, he's obviously due for positive regression and the direct opposite department at what Aaron Jones is looking at. So in my opinion, when you factor in that Devontae Adams, I can't project him to just miss four games, right? He's going to be healthy at least to start the season. So the pass catching role is reduced for Aaron Jones. And then the red zone role might be hit a little bit because second round pick AJ Dillon is back there. That does concern me. And then just a natural regression of not being as efficient overall and not scoring 19 touchdowns on the amount of touches that he saw. Aaron Jones does have a little bit of an injury history, but he missed no games last year. He was suspended in the past and he has missed five games the previous two years in 2017 and 18 combined with pretty much knee injuries. So nothing major to look at there, especially since he was fully healthy last year. Now the backfield competition will be Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon primarily. Jamal Williams last year, 39% of the snaps. We showed you his split earlier when Devonta Adams was out, saw some improved passing game usage in the Packers offense, 10.8 opportunities per game, 20 red zone attempts, and six touchdowns for Jamal Williams. He's a pretty good backup. I would say he's pretty solid in pass protection. I would say he's a very good pass catching running back, especially in the screen department. Now you can see AJ Dillon on the screen at Boston College for three years. He was just a monster. In three years there, he ran the ball 845 times to just 21 receptions. So 21 receptions in his entire career. He's going to be very much a Brandon Jacobs-esque, the former Giants running back, if you remember him in the early 2000s a guy who can pick up a lot of yards in the ground, but probably not going to do all that much for you in the receiving game. Maybe he can evolve though. That would be very nice to see him evolve into a pass catcher because last year he caught just 13 balls on 16 targets for 195 yards. It was a less than a 6% target share. Not great, but he did carry the ball for over 300 times for 1,699 yards, 14 touchdowns and 5.3 yards per carry. He's an absolute beast, six foot, 247 pounds, and he ran a four, five, six. So he's kind of going to profile out like Derrick Henry, just not as fast as Derrick Henry was coming out of college. So my final take on just Aaron Jones is that look, natural regression. It's kind of what I summarized earlier. Natural regression means your touchdowns are probably going to cut in half, if not less. Let's call it 19 to nine touchdowns. Now you have a rookie running back they spend a high pick on. What if he steals two of those red zone touchdowns? Now you're looking at like seven touchdowns, which is around where I have Aaron Jones statted for right now. You take out his role last year when Devontae Adams got hurt. He goes automatically from that receiving game role. If you factor in just his averages, the other games from RB2 to 
to RB9. That's how much of a bump he saw when Devontae Adams was off the field. So I'm just putting him at RB16. It is very close. Like if he scores an extra touchdown, he'll be bumped up to like RB13 or 12 for me. But all that said, he's right now going off the board around RB10. I'm just personally not going to get there. And as we get into the next player on the board, a rookie that is getting a little bit overhyped, please do take a second of your time, hit that like button and hit the big old subscribe button that just popped up on the screen on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast version, please take a second of your time, leave a podcast review. And the big thing, hit the subscribe button on the podcast platform. If you leave a review, you'll be entered into a $50 raffle giveaway. Only like two or three people do it a week. So I got like a 33% chance of winning $50. If you're watching on YouTube, you can go ahead and do that. Podcasts are linked down below. It's mainly for Apple iTunes reviews is what the giveaway is for. So you can check all of that stuff out, but please do hit the subscribe button and like button and check out the Supreme Draft Guide linked down below. Now let's get into Keyshawn Vaughn, the Tampa Bay Bucks pick, the third round pick, the 12th pick in the third round, Keyshawn Vaughn. So look, I like Keyshawn Vaughn. I liked him in the pre-draft process. He goes to Tampa, which was a very good landing spot. I was hoping Cam Akers would go there, but Keyshawn Vaughn goes there and it was a good landing spot because there are some backs there, but it's an open backfield in terms of you're not going to Dallas like Tony Pollard last year where you already have Zeke there. And even though you're a really good running back, you're just always going to have a cap on you. No, Keyshawn Vaughn, if he performs nicely, will be the starter here. I just have concerns with if he's actually going to perform nicely and the way that they use running backs last year and who the quarterback is this year, trying to trust a short in offseason and preseason and now you want to trust a rookie running back with Tom Brady at year 40 when he's in kind of his his curtain call of his career just trying to get a Super Bowl to, to close things out I don't think he's really going to trust that guy all that much but Keyshawn Vaughn at Vanderbilt he ended up playing his first two years at Illinois where he struggled and then transferred to Vandy so Vandy overall he's 23 years old 5'10 214 pounds he ran a 4'5'1 at the combine he has been comped to Bernard Pierce Dalvin Cook it's kind of all over the place with those comps um, but that's coming out of college not what they currently are last year he ran the ball 199 times for over a thousand yards in nine touchdowns. He caught 26 of his 38 targets. And that number, that golden number, I like 10% of the team's target share as a rookie, 161 receiving yards. So he overall had around 1200 total yards and nine touchdowns last year. It's a good season. He carried the ball about 200 times. He had about 230 total touches. So you can see that he was sort of a workhorse in that Vanderbilt offense. Now his overall total college career, he had 333 carries split across a bunch of different seasons, over 2200 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns, but he also caught 51 of his 54 targets. So a high cash percentage, and he was involved in the pass. Game. Now his positives, as I'm popping them up on the screen, a one cut runner. He was in an NFL zone style offense and he kind of fits into that zone running scheme and he has good speed and good vision. The concerns, he had just bad 2019 production. Like last year alone, when you're just looking from an efficiency standpoint for a college running back, five yards per carry is very Eh, especially when you're looking at the division that he's playing in. In the NFL, that's great. But when you're playing against weaker competition, you want to see that six yards per carry type of a number. That's the new five yards per carry when you're talking about the NFL comparisons. And I think I will call out that Keyshawn Vaughn's passing ability or his pass blocking ability, it's not fantastic. Like it's better than what you're comparing him to and what we've seen out of Ronald Jones, but it's not superstar levels good. It's not the Jonathan Taylors and the guys getting taken early on, the Cam Akers type of pass catching abilities or pass protection abilities, in my opinion. I think it's better than what Ronald Jones currently has been showing us, but it's nothing that's levels above him to just automatically keep him on the field. I think people are blowing that out of proportion. He's a little bit slower. He's not as elusive as well or some downsides for him. Now, what did the Bucks do in the offseason outside of Keyshawn Vaughn? Does anything really impact this, this overall offense for Keyshawn Vaughn entering it? Well, obviously, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are going to impact that. I think as an older veteran quarterback, you're going to want some sort of stability, somebody that you specifically trust. So maybe that is Keyshawn Vaughn, but him being a rookie inexperienced, it's going to be harder for me to see Tom Brady just automatically trust him to get him on the field more if he was to say, I want this guy. Aiden Barber leaves the team. I think he went to like a crowded backfield right now in Washington in the Redskins. So we'll see if that even holds up. So that does help Vaughn because it's Doreo Gumbawale and it's a guy in Ronald Jones, a third year player now who are ahead of him. So it should be 
a situation in which he does have an opportunity to see a decent amount of touches. They improved the offensive line as well. Tristan Worf's first round pick that actually fell to them. They traded up one spot with the 49ers, I believe, to take that pick in Worf's in the NFL draft. So it's setting up nicely, a better offensive line, probably a more uh, efficient offense in general gets to the red zone more often than just scoring from like 30 yards out with Godwin and Evans like they did last year with Jameis. But it's a situation where let's look at the backfield competition. Backfield competition you can see right now is these three running backs, Ronald Jones, Dorel Gumbawale, and Raymond Calais. Calais was also a, a running back draft pick in the seventh round for the Bucks this year. Ronald Jones played on 37.5% of the snaps last year, 172 carries, led all the running backs in that backfield. He overall had 1,000 total yards, 1,033 total yards when you factor in his 31 receptions. I think he had like nine of those in one game or eight of those in one game, 12.7 touches per game, 3.9 true yards per carries. And he was very efficient, honestly. Like guys want to talk down on Ronald Jones because he's a bad pass protector, but he was 22nd ranked in yards per touch, 5.1. That's a very good number. He was 22nd ranked in yards created. So he was creating yards on his own, 296 yards. The issue was of all running backs above 100 total touches, he was bottom five in pass protection. That's very bad. So the good things, creating yards on your own, being able to just have true yards per carry being higher. So an efficient running back, those are good. But if you can't stay on the field because of your pass protection, that's bad. But this reminds me of Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones' first year in the league with Aaron Rodgers, another Hall of Fame level and one of the best of all time goat debate with Tom Brady and other guys, just quarterbacks in the league, somebody that needs trust, did not trust Aaron Jones. He was not a good pass protector. Enter guys like Jamal Williams into the field and on the field a little bit more. Aaron Jones last year proved to be a very good and improved pass protector. And that's something that Ronald Jones can do, taking another leap in his career with another year in the league. And you can see the 2019 Bucks offense, right? So they, they use three running backs, 30% of the snaps to Barber, 30% of the snaps on the nose to Ogunbowale, and 37% to Jones. So Jones was the lead back in this backfield, 203 total touches to Barber's 170 total touches to Ogunbowale's just 46 total touches, mainly in the pass catching role. So you can see he was the lead back. And I have no reason to believe now that you have Tom Brady here, a guy who's going to need somebody you can trust. And the only thing you need right now is for Ronald Jones to actually just improve in the pass protection department. I think that Ronald Jones has a leg up, obviously, with his experience in pass protection for NFL players, then Keyshawn Vaughn. And I think he has a leg up just in skill set overall because he was efficient last year. He was good when he was actually getting opportunities. So people are blowing things out of proportion. Keyshawn Vaughn is being drafted. He was being drafted rounds ahead of Ronald Jones. Now it's like barely some picks ahead of Ronald Jones the last time I looked at ADP, but it really shouldn't be too far apart. If anything, if you want to take Keyshawn Vaughn for the upside, that's fine in my opinion. I personally, right now, I'm having them as a toss up. They're right next to each other in my rankings. But if you told me that I had to pick one of them, I would probably take Ronald Jones at that point because right now, Keyshawn Vaughn is a do not draft for me because he's being drafted as like a top 35 running back when he's a rookie who, if anything, might easily be the RB3 in this offense as easily as he could be the RB1. But his RB1 upside is not just 80% of the snaps type of guy. It's like a 35% split like you saw last year in this offense where I can easily see him getting slotted behind Ronald Jones and getting slotted behind Dorea Gumbawale, especially since we didn't have a full offseason for him to get acclimated into the offense, the NFL transition, and get familiar with a veteran in Tom Brady who might hold a grudge against rookies trying to protect him when he's 40 years old. Ogunbowale last year played on a lot of snaps, but didn't get a lot of usage. It mainly came in the passing game. He saw 46 targets, caught 35 of those, but only had 11 carries, scored two total touchdowns, 6.6 yards per touch on a very small sample, right? He only ended up seeing 46 total touches on what ended up being, I believe, 57 opportunities, but 6.6 yards per touch. Very efficient there. 11th in fantasy points per opportunity, mainly because of the PPR formats. He had most of his production, so we ended up getting a little bit of a bump up there in the receiving game. So I think Ogunbowale, who's already catching passes right now in Tampa, in Miami, Florida, down in that south region of Florida. He's already catching passes from the guy in Tom Brady during quarantine and all that. So I think he'll be involved. I definitely think Ronald Jones is going to be involved. And if two running backs are already going to be involved for, let's say, even if you want to be optimistic about Vaughn, Dorey Ogunbowale only sees 25% of the snaps, a drop from last year. A guy in Ronald Jones only sees 35% of the snaps, a drop from last year. All that's left on the bone right now is 40% of the snaps for Keyshawn Vaughn. I think that's a good number, but it's not enough for me to say he's a top 35 pushing a top 30 running back right now. 
now is where he's being drafted. Not at all. Raymond Calais, I'll throw up his college profile just to give you the full sample here of the backfield. He might mainly be a special teams player if he even makes the team, but he ended up last year seeing 127 total touches, around 950 yards for seven touchdowns, was involved a little bit in the passing game. That's usually where he'll get maybe involved in this offense, but I think he'll mainly be a special teams player, has good speed. He's very good in space. The downsides are no proven passing game role for him and very bad when it comes to pass protection. So just going to be hard for him to get on the field with three running backs ahead of him in Keyshawn Vaughn, Ogunbowale, and Ronald Jones. So that's where I'm at right now. My two honorable mentions were running backs that have rookies coming into their backfield that I just don't trust. Marlon Mack and on Johnson. Mack now having Jonathan Taylor, who I love this year, have an individual video already out on him. You can check that one out. And then you also have on Johnson, whose knees are just busted after the first two years in this league, who last year was not a very good running back, maybe because of these knee injuries. And now DeAndre Swift is there. And now they want to use four running backs. And they have a very good passing offense with TJ Hawkinson in his second year. Galladay set for a breakout. Love Galladay. Marvin Jones consistent as can be. So I just don't want to target the guy in on Johnson who has the downside in his overall offense. In an offense that I think is probably bottom third in the league in rushing attempts per game, just in my opinion, based on how bad that defense is. So those are two honorable mentions of do not drafts, the veterans and on Johnson and Marlon Mack, two guys who are potentially even trade candidates. So the main guys in this video, Keyshawn Vaughn, you can see on the screen right now, Aaron Jones and Devin Singletary. I rest my case for right now. Please do check out the Supreme Draft Guide. Link down below on my website, fantasysportsfocus.com. You can get it right now for $10. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. Check all that out down below. Hit that big like button before you go. Big old subscribe button popped up. Take a second of your time. Bottom right-hand corner if you want to make 50 bucks and get entered into that raffle. Have a very good chance to win it. You can go onto the podcast version, iTunes, and leave a review of this show. But for right now, my name is Sal Vetri. I appreciate you tuning into this video, and I will see you in the next one.